Let's get back to Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team, your New Mexico Broadcasters Association Radio Station of the Year. Now, Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. And welcome back to Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Sam Hauser, Scott Galetti here for another half hour. We got baseball coming up at 5.30. We'll tell you about that in just a little bit. But in the meantime, we're going up to Denver uh, to chat with Nick Kosmider of The Athletic. He's with us on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning and Cool Take Hotline. Nick, always good to talk to you. Appreciate the time. So another so, so a busy week in Denver. We were wondering how close we were going to get to OTAs and training camp and everything that this sale was going to become official and still not quite 100% there yet. The NFL still has to uh, uh, make the final approvals. But what is the latest uh, and with what is the latest news around the sale of the Broncos? Yeah, those those items that you mentioned, which is an approval from the NFL's finance committee, and then um, a vote, a twenty-four yes votes from the league's owners out of the thirty-two. Um, those are viewed as formalities, um, the rubber stamps. Uh, the, the the group led by Rob Walton and his son-in-law Greg Penner and his daughter uh, Carrie Walton Penner, um, along with. Um, uh, executive uh, Melody Hobson. Um, that's the group that we know is is part of that is part of that group. And um, the the record price four point six five billion dollars. Um, you know is is kind of stunning uh, just because it doubles the the previous record for a franchise, which was the Carolina Panthers, and they were sold only four years ago uh, next month. So um, it, it's been a pretty incredible. Um, I think uh, transition, and particularly how quickly this has all come together. I, I think the hope was always that the team would have new ownership in place by the start of the season uh, in September. Uh, it's obviously going to be much sooner than that. The team went for, went on sale officially February first. Of course, um, you know the groups knew that it was going to be going on sale, you know, months before that, and were kind of preparing bids, but. Um, it all moved really quickly, um, and we talked to Broncos players today who said, it, look, it's just great to get some clarity, right? I mean, this is a team that has been run by the trust um, you know, of, of former owner Pat Bowen for the better part of the last decade. And so this was a moment that's been a long time coming, and I, I, think, I think both players, coaches, members of the organization, and certainly the fans are, I, I think, glad to have some clarity when it comes to um, you know the future of this franchise. Well, and so as you talk about the team being run by the, like you said, by the the, the trust of of Pat Bowen, how do you think this changes things now to have uh, somebody who's going to be maybe a little bit more uh, more hands on, maybe more uh, having more people around day to day? Like, how do you think this will change things now compared to the team being run by the trust? Yeah, and and look, I think the trust did everything that it could. Um, you know, in that situation, right? Uh, we're, we're talking about CEO Joe Ellis, who, who was Boland's right-hand man for a lot of his tenure, um, you know, kind of stepped into that role of, of owner delegate and had a lot of different things he had to juggle, right? Uh, you know, he had to run the team. Uh, he had to kind of serve as the team's owner at, at meetings. Uh, he also was in charge of kind of the succession plan. And, and for a long time, he hoped and the trust hoped that that would mean passing the franchise down to one of Boland's children. Um, they had identified one of his daughters, Brittany Bolin, as being, um, you know, that possible candidate. Um, but there just wasn't agreement among the among the seven Bolin children about how that would go. And, and as, as that became sort of understood, uh, sale, selling the franchise really became uh, the only option. But I, I think what this will do um, is 
is, is having, I think, just an everyday presence in place from an ownership perspective that has not been there uh, since Pat Bowen had to step back from his day-to-day role because of Alzheimer's disease way back in 2014. Um, there's been a void there. And again, that's not to take anything away from Joe Ellis, who, who steered that ship the best way that he could. That's to take nothing away from John Elway, who uh, you know, was the general manager and president of football operations during that time and, and kind of carried a lot of that burden himself. Um, it's to say nothing of, of what they did, but the reality is that this is a team that has had five losing seasons in a row, has not made the playoffs since 2015. And, you know, a lot of people, you, you could point to the quarterback situation, and that's probably the biggest reason the Broncos haven't been successful. And obviously the, the, the acquisition of Russell Wilson, they hope, will change all that. But there, there also was, again, this void in ownership happened to be occurring right at the same time that this franchise was struggling to win. And so I think, I think all those things you look at and say, okay, just simply having a more consistent presence and, mind you, a presence that is not going to be shy, um, you know, players and coaches hope about spending the necessary resources um, to make the team what it needs to be. And I do want to get into some football with you. We'll do that here in a little bit as we're talking to Nick Kosmider of The Athletic. Covers the Denver Broncos with us here on ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, going back to the $4.65 billion price tag, do we know how much the, the the group that finished second bid? like Because I see this number come out first. You know, I think Forbes first reported it was going to be around $4.5 billion. We find out it's 4.65. And without seeing any of the other information at the time, just knowing that it nearly doubles the, the price of the Carolina Panthers from a few years ago, Nick, it, it seemed like I, I was at least wondering if maybe uh, these guys were bidding against themselves for the number to get that high. Like, do we know wh- why in particular it got to 4.65? I, I think the I think the competition, the bidding uh, competition was uh, stiffer than I think um, a lot of people thought it would be. Um, there, there were some groups that were able to kind of cull together um, some good financial backing that allowed them to be in the you know in the ballpark of that four and a half million. Um, so, so that's why it did get pushed up. And you, when you see a leak come out um, like it did earlier this week, where you said this this uh, you know bid is going to be won by Rob Walton and his group for four and a half billion dollars, and at that point the, the the bids of the final four groups had not been officially submitted. So you say, huh? Who is trying to perhaps drive up this price? Uh, just a little bit further, and and obviously it got to to four point six five. I, I do think that there was um, again stiffer competition than they thought, but ultimately, I you know I think you look at the bids from um, you, you know the the Walton Penner group, and and you just and say that this there's not going to be any issues with you know li- you know liquidating the financing, lining up the financing, and having all of it ready to go because it's, it's one thing to win a bid. It's the other thing to kind of be able to close the deal at the end when you're getting approved by the league that you can show all these, all these finances. I think ultimately that's what helped the, the Walton group kind of um, go along because it became clear that they were most likely going to pay um, what it took. Uh, th- that's the other interesting part of this is that this is a family. This is a group that has had the means had they wanted to, to get into professional ownership, sports ownership for a long time. Um, I think this is a personal thing with Rob Walton having family uh, that lives in Colorado, him having homes in the state. Um, there's a great affinity for this region, for this group. 
And so this team in particular was one that they really wanted. And at the end of the day, I don't think there was going to be anything that stood in their way once they decided they were really going after it. Okay, you talked about a guy like Russell Wilson, some of the other players. Realistically, how much does the owner really matter to the players unless they really have a relationship? Do you know of any relationships with the Walton Group or maybe, you know, previous owners with this team? And how does that work on the NFL level? Well, it's a good question because I, I think why Pat Bolin was such a revered figure in Denver is because he bought the team in 1984. And it was still at that time, it was, it was a very popular um, institution in Colorado. But it, it, is, it, it, is, it was nothing like it is now. And a big part of that is because... Pat Bowen put every part of himself into this team. And, and if you look at, again, you look at the valuation of $4.65 billion. Pat Bowen bought the team in 1984 for around $70 million. And that was, that was him having to borrow from his, you know, his brother, him having to, um, you know, sell off assets, do everything that he could to get that. And then he made it his, his absolute number one, right? He, he, you know, he, he obviously had other business dealings. But, but being at the center of the Broncos was his, you know, kind of number one life's passion. He was, he was an owner who was in the office, you know, 20 hours a day. I don't think sports ownership is quite like that anymore. I, I think got a guy like Jerry Jones is, is around a lot. You know, he, he's one of the rare owners that talks We've pretty much that. after every, every <laughs> game. You guys know very well. You carry a lot of those comments on your airwaves. Um, but but that, that's not necessarily the way that it goes. And so I, I think for players, it's not necessarily, hey, we need to be best friends. You need to have lunch with me in the cafeteria. But, but I think just being present, being able to be seen around the building, and then, of course, um, again, giving the resources that they need. And, and, and that's always been a thing that Pat Bowen did, even though he was not among the richest owners. Now there's really no excuse for this group because, again, that's the standard that's been set here because of Pat Bowen, and, and they have more, more money, more wealth than any other ownership group in the league. So, again, if, if their desire to have this team – matches with what they're going to do to put into it. Um, that's, I think, a reason that, that fans should be um, optimistic about what's to come. Finally for me, Nick, one of the things that is coming with the new ownership group is questions about the stadium and power field at Mile High. It's not that old, but they're already talking about doing something about it, either upgrading it or tearing it down and rebuilding. What can you say about that, and when did this come up? Yeah, you know, I think that this is a team that has a stadium that is right around the middle of the pack, as you suggested. It opened in 2001, um, so it's just a little over 20 years old. Um, and and it, as, as Joe Ellis, the CEO I mentioned a little while ago, he said at the owners' meetings, look, this stadium is in good shape. Does it need repairs? Absolutely. Does it need some work? Yes. Um, could they keep playing in this stadium throughout the rest of their lease, which is another nine years? Um, at, you know, they could. They absolutely could. But when you look around the division, even, you have the Chargers who play in the $5 billion palace in Los Angeles called SoFi Stadium. You have the Raiders who have a brand-new glistening stadium in Las Vegas. And now you have an owner who has come in, again, the richest owner by far in the NFL. Is he really going to look around the division and say, huh, we're going to be okay with just having this, this 20-year-old stadium and, um, you know, and, and not kind of be keeping up with the, you know, the, the so-called Joneses. Um, that's, that's the kind of the, the question here is just how much is that going to matter? And again, Rob Walton is 77 years old. So if that's going to be something that he really wants to see, um, you know, to be frank, he's going to, they're going to have to kind of get to work on it. 
And, and so that, that's going to be the, the big question is, is what is, what is the urgency? What is the desire? What is, you know, the amount that, that they're going to want to put into this thing? Cause I don't think there's going to be a huge appetite if they're going to build a new stadium already, as you mentioned, just 20 years after the, the old one got made. That was, that was paid for the 75% of that was paid for, uh, with an increased tax among Denver metro area residents. I don't think there's an appetite for another tax increase like that that is going to make the public pay for this stadium. Um, you know, again, Pat, uh, Rob Walton is, is a cousin by marriage of Stan Kroenke, who owns the Nuggets here, owns the Avalanche, and, of course, owns the Rams. And he built that SoFi Stadium, you know, kind of on his own, $5 billion. So that's sort of, again, we talked about standards. That's kind of what you look around and see. That's probably what it's going to take. And so then the question becomes, do you build it in downtown? Um, do, you, do you kind of find some land in the suburbs, move it out maybe near the airport? Um, those are the questions that I think have to be answered. And quite frankly, we're not going to know for a while. Um, I think even, even at the beginning of their tenure, they're going to want to take some time to really evaluate everything. And, and I'd be surprised if major decisions like that got made, um, you know, with, inside of a year after they, they start their, uh, start their tenure. Nick Cosmider, The Athletic, with us on ESPN Radio 101.7, and the team covers the Denver Broncos. I, I am curious, Nick, just as we're talking about the stadium, I, I mean, certainly it was a, a, a small, contained situation, but were there ever any uh, long-term concerns or anything that came from the, the, the small fire that happened inside the stadium a few months ago? Well, there was it was a significant, there was significant damage to the stadium. There, there was a couple of um, still pillars that, um, that, that have to be replaced. And, and there is going to be a lot of work done between now and the start of the season in September to make sure that everything is good. There, there, was, there was never, I don't think, fear from what I understand about any kind of structural integrity um, uh, that, that was caused because of that damage. But it, it was significant. And, you know, it, it, might be a, it might be more of a, you know, kind of a metaphorical thing than anything else of saying, huh, maybe this is, Maybe this is some kind of some kind of sign, right? Right. Because the the, uh, the 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 owner candidates um, that, that came in the group, the you know the investment groups that were bidding for the team, um, you know one by one they made their way to Denver and toward the facility, the practice facility uh, out in the suburbs here, and then went to the, the stadium. So um, you know they they themselves got to look at, at what that damage looks like. Uh, but but for this season, it's expected to be you know kind of taken care of. Um, and they've already continued to host concerts and things like that. So uh, it shouldn't be an issue going forward for, for this season. What have you found interesting about Peyton Manning's involvement as we're talking about these changes and uh, different you know groups wanting his uh, wanting his opinion on certain elements as we're going through the uh, as we we're going through the the bidding process? What, what were some of the uh, interesting details about Peyton Manning uh, getting involved in that situation? Well, I think it starts just with the fact that, you know, if, if, if some of your listeners don't know, Peyton Manning um, has made his home in Denver since he retired. Um, his, 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 he never wanted to take his family, his kids to go to school here. They, they love it here. They're, you know, they're big sports fans of the local teams. Um, he, he is very much invested in, in the city um, and in the organization. And so he, it was, it's always been believed that Peyton Manning is going to be connected to the organization in some way. He said as much last October when he got inducted into the Ring of Fame. He said, one way or another, I'll always be part of the Broncos. Um, but it's one of those things with Peyton Manning where everybody knows that he that he's going to stay connected to the game. He's, he has said as much. And he says he takes everything on a year-by-year basis right now um, to where he, he's kind of making his decisions about what he's going to do in the game 
year by year. And so I just don't get the sense that he's fully ready to kind of dive into a role in an organization where he's, say, the president of football operations, and he's in there every day. He's leading a football side, um, you know, overseeing transactions, all those kinds of things. Um, but, but he can provide great value as an advisor, and I think that might be where it starts with this new ownership group. Again, they have reached out to him. They talked to him about a potential role. And, you know, whether that blossoms into something in the future where, he, you know, he buys into the franchise, becomes a part owner, um, I think all those things are on the table right now. But, again, this is going to come down to what Peyton Manning wants to do because this, any offer given to him is not going to be a, hey, this is a now-or-never deal. The door will always be open for, for number 18 in Denver if he wants to have a role with the organization. And so I think it's just on him to decide when am I ready to kind of fully dive into that because he's the kind of guy that there's nothing that he's going to do halfway. If, if he's going to have a, a major role with the Broncos, it's going to be when he's ready to kind of devote himself uh, to it. So we just kind of have to wait and see what, what he's going to make that decision about about what he wants to do. And of course, Peyton Manning comes in and wins a Super Bowl, and certainly that's what Broncos fans are, are hoping for for Russell Wilson. I know we're in the final hundred days until kickoff, but you know, still plenty of time before the NFL season does start. But I'm just curious what the kind of what what the sense is, Nick, even for the first year of Russell Wilson in Denver with you know, with with a new team, with a new head coach, and everything else. Just where the the expectations are, because we saw the slow, steady decline of Russell Wilson the last couple of years in Seattle, but this is still a former Super Bowl champion, still at one point one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So where where's the feeling right now as far as you know the expectations for Russell Wilson himself and then for what he's going to uh, do to lead this offense? Yeah, I think the Broncos believe that he's still a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Um, you know, that they, they spent a lot of time this offseason early, um, both before they made the trade and then, and then as they were preparing to build the playbook around Russell Wilson, uh, looking at those, that, that last year in particular and really the last couple years to see what they could glean. I mean, this is a guy that there is talk, you know, there's talk about him falling off. This is a guy who in the first, you know, five or six weeks of the 2020 season, so just two years ago, um, was an MVP candidate. I, I mean, his numbers during that stretch were just remarkable. And, um, you know, obviously they, you know, they kind of, he and, he and Pete Carroll had, had a, had a, a philosophical differences in terms of exactly how they wanted to, you know, attack defenses and things of that nature that, that was really there from the start. Um, but just kind of that chasm continued to grow. But even last year when he came back after, after the, the thumb surgery, you know, probably came back two weeks too soon. But his last five games or so, when he was fully recovered from that injury, um, you know, his numbers there were, were pretty in line with what he's done from, uh, from a career perspective. And even him at his sort of like bottom edge career is going to be such a massive improvement over what the Broncos have had. And I think that's the key point. They've, there's a lot of talent on this roster. It's talent that it's found ways to, to be competitive. It's not actually win a lot of games the last few years. And now you add to that a quarterback who, from a talent perspective, is better than what they've had, and certainly from an experience and just sort of winning leadership um, type of attributes is, is a lot better than what they have had since Peyton Manning retired in 2015. So the expectations, um, you know, I, I really think are championship caliber. Nathaniel Hackett, as the first-time head coach, the former Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator, um, you know, he's made no bones about that, got in here and, and made kind of the slogans that he put up on the walls, made T-shirts that says, win the West. Um, they expect to win a very crowded AFC West division, and of course, a lot of that is going to be on Russell Wilson to, to to be a huge improvement at that quarterback spot. Nick, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for making the time here in Albuquerque, and we'll catch up with you soon. All right, thank you, guys.
Appreciate the time. Nick Kosmider covers the Denver Broncos for The Athletic. Joining us on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. It is, it is kind of an interesting spot, Scott, that the Broncos are in because they, they've been in this wait-and-see mode for the last couple of years between feeling like we're a quarterback away mm-hmm. and dealing with some some unfortunate key injuries we at the wide receiver spot. You know, you're still building up this group with Jerry Judy and, and K.J. Hamler. They've been in this, you know, we're, we're almost their mode for a couple of years. And I do wonder if... If Bronco fans are going to just going to jump into it, where if if for some reason they do get off to a slow start, it's going to be just this isn't what I signed up for kind of thing, and just jump off the ship. This is what we talked about in the past, Sam, and I think yeah, they would do that. I really do. I think there's so much hype that they'll turn on with the team. Russell Wilson. Well, they already drew. Uh, Drew Locke didn't even play a game, and they were booing him. Yeah, well, that's a whole separate story. Well, now you got Russell Wilson where you got the high expectations. Say they go 1-4. and four. Do you think the fans are going to be happy with 1-4 and four with Russell Wilson? I don't. No. I don't think they are at all. No. Th- and uh, they are kind of a spoiled fan base where they think that they should be better than they are. And Nick even said it, um, you know, uh, in in the terms of the past couple of years, it seemed like they were a quarterback away. Well, now they got that quarterback. So now, in theory, there shouldn't be any questions. They should go out and do what the Rams did last year, assert themselves as the team to beat, and either make the Super Bowl or go win the Super Bowl. Right, you have a you have a, a new quarterback on a new team. You have a coach who's first year with the team who was an offensive coordinator now new, now moving into that head coach spot, and it, it it there's nothing that points to the Broncos being afforded the, the, the any kind of leeway that most teams would get in that spot. Even if even if you're bringing a veteran Super Bowl winning quarterback to a new team, it is still all of these these new elements coming together and yeah there is going to be a lot of i mean to you you know to use your example if it's 1 and 4 if even if the first game is is not what what you dream of in your head when Russell Wilson puts on orange and blue there there's going to And be, there's a lot of people who are going to have dreams of that being like the best game ever you know that Yeah no it, it it's one of the reasons why I think that whole division is going to be the most interesting division from top to bottom in in football, and and that's and that's going to be a big part of it is just how is is the understanding that the that there really isn't that margin for error for the Broncos to not get off to that hot start because of of what's been going on with that team the last couple of years. New owner, new quarterback, new coach. It's supposed to be a, a new beginning, and that's certainly what Bronco fans are are hoping for.